I'm Jeff Smith, and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people, and many millionaires to find out their secrets of success and to share their secrets here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people in all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick how they overcame adversity to keep on going, and I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In today's episode, I'm talking with Blaine Olkers. He's a TEDx speaker with more than 190,000 views. I've invited Blaine onto the show because I want to talk with him about the missing pages of the book, think and grow rich and why people don't get rich blaine himself is america's only chief results officer he's always loved to help people get results and he knows which habits bring success and perhaps more importantly how to create habits instantly and to get them to stick for a lifetime He's a work-from-home entrepreneur, he's co-authored three books, so we have a huge amount of wealth to draw upon. This is going to be an interesting interview, questioning all of the steps of success and understanding why so many people fail to reach their goals and aspirations. So let's bring in the amazing man himself. Welcome to the show, Blaine Olkers. Woohoo! Hello, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me here today and I'm excited and first of all I just want to say thank you to you thank you for putting these shows together for taking the knowledge not only your own knowledge but the knowledge of all these other people and sticking it online for the world to see you're almost like a uh, you know a today version of Napoleon Hill uh, a living version we, we lost Napoleon Hill back in 1970 uh, but but you're you're keeping the legacy going by extracting those nuggets of success which I hope we'll we'll get to a few of those today but extracting those for other people and so congratulations on that and, and honored to be here today oh well bless you for your kind words it's wonderful you look amazing how's how's life with you today life is good i'm in phoenix arizona and uh you know um i i've just i've had a blessed life and, and things are good and 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 i'm i feel like i'm doing what i was designed for you know whatever god whatever power you believe in i think i'm here to help people kind of take control of their lives by taking control of themselves and uh you know what i'm doing today it, it passes what i call the powerball test so if i won the powerball last weekend which is in the united states is this big lottery it's you know like 500 million dollars if i won that lottery i would still be here with jeff smith doing this podcast even if i won the the 500 million dollars because i feel that's what I'm here to do. Now, the show might be different. I might be giving away cars and it could have been a lot of cra a crazy show, uh, but I would still be here because that's why I'm here. <laughs> I love that. You know, I share the exact same same, same thoughts and feelings. Well, Blaine, I can't wait to find out about your books, your projects, 
and your story. But before we do that, I want to find about you. So let's get started. I want to take you back to your early life. So three questions for you, Blaine, please. Where were you born? What was life like for you as a child? And what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, good question. And, and so the roots of Blaine, I was actually born in New Jersey uh, and, and raised in a town called Morristown, New Jersey. And I had, you know, kind of a, you know, middle class, uh, you know, a good upbringing, uh, you know, with my parents. And and uh, I always, from an early age, though, I, I did have an entrepreneurial uh, you know, a bone in my body. And, and I always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I remember when I was a kid, I, I lived on Bailey Hollow Road and I, I, I made this flyer. My dad helped me and I made this flyer and it was called the Bailey Boys. And we would do all the odd jobs and the painting and the cutting of the lawns and all that stuff. And so I ended up not only getting jobs for myself, but getting jobs for some of the other kids in the neighborhood as well. So it was kind of fun. And, and I always had that that sense. And it was mixed, though, is a sense of wanting to own a business, but also um, there was a sense there of, of wanting to help people, right, in, in some way, serve people in, in, in some way. And it's interesting that I think at, at everybody's core, there is this, you know, service to other people. And, and I, I talked about the Powerball test. In workshops, we do this visualization where everybody, you win the Powerball, so you got $500 million, and then it's a year later. And a year later, after you did all the travel, you bought the castles, you set up the trust funds, you gave the money to all the relatives that came out of the woodwork, you did all that stuff, and you're done with all that. And you wake up and you still have $100 million. What would you do? And I have people write the answer to that. And it's interesting that nearly everyone in the room well, says, well, I would help people blank. Now, now the blank is different for everybody, but they all come back around to that service. So at an early age, I had that desire, you know, to kind of serve other people, but also to kind of own my own business. And I think to, to be free, to have freedom of choice, that was, that's probably like when I peel back all, there's a lot of reasons I did things, but when I peel it all back, it's, it's, it's having that control of my life and having that freedom that the entrepreneurship brings, but then at the same time serving people. Okay, so you were the young entrepreneur. What about your parents? What were they like? What was their mindset like? Were they entrepreneurs too, or were you the black sheep of the family? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I was, uh, you know, I, I would call myself maybe the unicorn of the family, not the black sheep. The unicorn. Uh, they they had uh, both had technical jobs. Uh, so, um, then and that my first career before I was an entrepreneur, I was a software engineer. So I went to Purdue University, graduated with a degree in computer science, and for 15 years I, I did that. And that's kind of what my dad did. He worked in in the big city. He worked in New York City, and uh, he would take me into work, you know, and show me these early versions of computers and and it was uh, you know I was very fascinated by all that so he played a, a, a you know a good role and my mom had a very technical kind of job with Bell Labs uh, so they had you know they had kind of technical jobs and uh, but also you know I, I did I grew up with a sense of I could do you know I, I could do whatever I put my mind to and so that was that was really helpful for me. Uh, and I would say, you know, it wasn't until college, though. College is where my life took off. College is where I started to come into my own. And college is where, luckily for me, and this might have been a little fate, a little luck, which doesn't, doesn't hurt, uh, I saw this ad. 
And this ad was for to send away uh, for an audio cassette. So kind of dating myself here, <laughs> but uh, an audio cassette tape. Some people might not even know what that is, but you, you, it's a little audio program that you can play. And I sent away, and it was an audio cassette of Earl Nightingale reading, uh, you know, kind of a smaller abridged version of this book called Think and Grow Rich. And so I got that audio cassette. I listened to it. I loved Earl Nightingale. He became one of my mentors. But then I bought the book and I read the book in college. And that that's really where that was. I call that a moment of dawning comprehension, where I realized that what you think about, you bring about. It's a little acronym I, I, I call YTABA. Um, but anyway, that's where my life really started to kind of take off. Okay, so the reason I invited you here today was to talk specifically, but not only, about the book Think and Grow Rich. So in my early years, I was not fortunate enough to know about this book. Anybody that's into self-development, I would think, does know about it. But Blaine, there might be someone listening who go, what book is this? So can you explain what think and or give us some history i think you're the yeah. best person to ask on this what's the history behind think and grow rich and, and where is it at today yeah yeah so so think and grow rich uh, is a book written by napoleon hill and basically uh back in the early like 1920s uh you know napoleon hill met andrew carnegie which is a fa famous uh steel uh business owner and andrew carnegie decided uh, that he would open some doors for Napoleon Hill to speak with, uh, and this is great, Jeff, because you you ended up kind of recreating his life without knowing. You didn't know it at the time, but but he interviewed, uh, you know, uh, many of the top business, you know, leaders and owners and entrepreneurs, you know, of that of that time, uh, and put together these this the laws of success. And so he wrote a really big book, which you can still get today, it's over a 1000 pages, uh, maybe 1200 pages. Um, and it's called the law of success. And, and that had some success. Uh, but then when Napoleon Hill kind of condensed that down, um, and and made a book that was a little bit more on the story side, so kind of teaching through stories, um, you know, that book became a very, very big success. And that's the book called Think and Grow Rich. Now, he says in there, um, he talks about the riches. Now, they can be financial, and he gives you examples of financial riches. But he says that that's not the only riches. It could be good health, harmonious relationships, whatever you want to bring about. Uh, so whatever you want to bring about in your life, there's kind of a systematic way to bring that about in, in, in your life. Now, it's not just, it, it's think and grow rich, but when I say, you know, what you think about, you bring about, like you bring it about, there's a work component. So Napoleon Hill, he, it wasn't like the law of attraction, just like think it and it happens. Now that's part of it, but he is like, think about it and then act on it. And so he gives you a, a, a kind of a recipe, a formula, which we could talk about to do that. And, um, you know, and I was fortunate to uh, read it in college. I have the book. This is the way it's a little bit marked up, but I read this book in the <laughs> 80s. And, and and most people read this this version of the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. 
And it does teach you, you know, it teaches you about your desires and, and your faith and how to build your faith and how to have persistence and how to make good decisions, uh, you know, and, and all this, all, all the, the skills that you would need uh, to, to bring things about. And so I, I met my wife in college uh, as I started to use those principles. We've been married 30 years now. Uh, you know, I, I got a great job coming out of college. I had a lot of success uh, because of those principles inside Think and Grow Rich. And then uh, one day I, I had enough success and I had the opportunity to purchase one of the first 5,000 copies of Think and Grow Rich. And so I bought it, was a, I bought it for like a thousand bucks. Maybe it's worth about 4,000 today. Uh, but but when I got that book, which I, I, I have right here, uh, you know, it's a little different, right? Um, but what happened is when I opened the book, uh, the, the very first page said, what do you want most? And I said, and I read that page and then, and then the second page and the first two pages were these instructional pages. And I'm like, oh, I never read that. I know. Come on. I never, I never saw those pages. Like, like, uh, and so I, I went back to my other version. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, they're not in here. Uh, and so then I started to read the book and I'm like, this is a different experience. Uh, and, and the book was different. And then later in the book, uh, you know, um, I, I'm a Christian and, and in the original book, he mentions Jesus in the book. And I'm like, I would have remembered that. So I went back to the other book. It's not in there. So then I realized that there had been, first of all, the, the instructional pages were lost. That's what I call the lost pages. And then I realized that over the years, the book was reprinted. Uh, and it lost some of its original meaning. And then in the 60s, um, I don't know if for political correctness or whatever, they changed some of the chapters uh, and some of the items were 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 just changed. Um, so so the book, you know, the book is maybe it's like 90 percent, you, you know, the, the same. But that 10 percent makes a difference. And the big difference in the reading of the book. Now, if you have the book and you read the book, it's worth reading the book for sure. But if you want to study the book in the original Napoleon Hill, he does a lot of shouting. And what I mean by that, it's like all caps, right? And so in, in, in nearly every book I've ever found, unless it's a facsimile version, um, you don't have all the capitalization and the shouting. It's a different, it's a different experience reading the original book. Uh, and so I, I wrote a guidebook for people to help them, um, you know, get the most from the book. And then I started doing book studies, uh, you know, about the book. And so I took that, my guidebook and the book study, kind of a chapter by chapter book study. And then I grabbed the original facsimile version and I put that all together in one book. And I call that Think and Grow Rich Book Study Edition. Now I had to do that because my friend, uh, Melvin Powers, he was, he was the only one that published this original version. It was the one that I was using for my book studies and stuff. And then he passed away and I couldn't get that version anymore. So luckily, it was in the public domain and I was able to kind of make that derivative work, uh, you know, happen. But for me, you know, it was interesting that, that I had a bunch of success and I had a business that was worth about $300,000 when I discovered the original book. Uh, and then at that time I had a plan, a five-year plan to take my business from being a $300,000 business to a million dollar business. And I wanted to own a million dollar business. Uh, and, but within five months, of doing what those two pages said to do, uh, my business was worth a million dollars. And I, and I got a, like this little prize from like, you know, from a company acknowledging, you know, the, the value of the business and all that. So, so that happened for me. And the reason that happened was because of those instructional pages. So we, we could, 
you know, unpack those two pages if you want. There's there's two key points in there that most people miss. And I think that's a big reason why they don't get a lot of the book. Uh, you know, they don't they don't get rich, whatever that whether that's financial riches or whatever, you know, whatever kind of thing you want to bring about in your life. Okay. Do we want to talk about them? Hell yes. That's why I got you on the show. So <laughs> so before we do that, when you say instructional pages, what is it you mean by instructional pages? Yeah, so the first two pages of the book give you the instructions on how to read the book uh, and how to apply the book. And so uh, without those instructional pages, um, you, your your experience is, is just not going to be there, right? Completely, uh, and, yeah. And so, yeah. So, so there's two. So the first pages, the first page I just kind of showed you, and it says, what do you want most? Right. And then it talks about, is it, is it fame? Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it health? Like, what do you want most? And he says, don't read this book until you do your homework. And it's more like a textbook uh, that you would study in a certain way, not a book that you would just kind of read for, for entertainment or, or for knowledge but a book that you would study and apply. So he says it's a book you would study and apply, but do not read this book until you know exactly what you want and bring that to the reading of the book so that you're applying each of the steps and the principles kind of layer on top of each other, uh, you know, in such a way that, uh, that, that you can, you can bring those things about. So that's the first instructional page is to get very clear and, and, and not just like, oh, you know, I want to grow my business. No, you know, you got to be very, it's a, your mind needs speci- be very specific. And so you want to say, you know, I want my business to be worth a million dollars by this specific date. Right. And then Napoleon Hill gives you a framework that it's not just a goal or a target. Then he'll say, okay, what are you going to give in return for that? So he takes you through this process of building a, you know, a structure out that you say, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to give in return. This is my plan for it. This is my next step in my plan. And he takes you through where you build that framework around something real that you, that you want. And sometimes if people, well, I have a saying, win early, win often. And so sometimes if people don't win enough, they, they lose the, the battle of the brain chemicals. They get depressed. They, they, they don't have success, which is what you talk about. One of the secrets of success is progress. And so sometimes I tell people, start small. Let, like, like take these principles and do something a little bit smaller because you're, you're, you're doing it all day long. You think about something, right? I, I, I can, I can have a thought. I, I'm thirsty. Oh, okay. Let me have a drink of water. There we go. I just turned a thought into reality, right? Uh, I want to see this new movie this weekend. Okay, when is it playing? Who wants to go with me? Let's pre-buy the tickets. Like, I can make that happen. So you can do that. And it's a little bit like a muscle. It takes some time for you to realize what you're doing, but but then kind of go to bigger and bigger things, right? Um, but make sure you're making progress because without progress, then you're going to kind of uh, fall fall into a trap. So that's that's page number one. That's that's instruction number one. What is it that you want most? Very very specific. And then take that, bring that to the reading of the book. The second page. Just before you do that. Yes. Just before you do that, we will come on to the second one. Now I've read Think and Grow Rich multiple times. I was not aware that this part was missing, but I knew. There was something missing in the the think and grow rich philosophy. Now, as I said 
earlier, I interviewed myself, 325 rich people, famous people, and the most important step of them all is what do you want? Because unless you, unless you get that, everything else is merely information because you don't know how to apply it in its context. Now, I am fizzing inside now because I've been a guest on so many podcasts where they've asked me, hey, Jeff, you're writing this book, The 11 Steps of Success. Yeah, what's the first step? Hey, Blaine, guess what the first step is? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you've hit the target. Yeah. Because it's probably yeah. know what you want. I said, I've been studying this subject for 40 years and there's a big chunk missing. And people don't get it. And I've done this, Blaine, on so many podcasts where I've been a guest. And I'm saying, you have to be very specific. This is how it works. And until you get that right, nothing else will work. I've had podcast hosts in tears because they've written a book. And then they're wondering, why is it not a bestseller? I said, well, what was your goal? He said, to write a book. And I said, well, the universe delivered. You did yeah, it. Yeah. I said, you can't change your mind later and say, I want it to be the world's number one bestseller because that's not what you wanted when you started the process, which is quite fascinating. And this, this lady said, you know, I've worked with Tony Robbins. I've worked with all these people. No one's ever told me that. I get it now. So to know that is such a blessing to me. It's Oh, I love it. So now I will read Think and Grow Rich in a whole new light. And that just shows when you put someone in charge of editing a book who doesn't really understand the subject, the power of what is lost is... pro. Okay, you say there's 90% 90, 90 of the book is there. However... 90% of its meaning is completely lost without that first part. So yeah, thank you for that. That, that, that has vilified me. <laughs> so that, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. So what do you want with specificity? Thank you so much. Step two, please, Blaine. Back to yes. you. And, and, uh, you know, after this uh, show is over, I'm going to make sure you get a copy, you know, of the original and those instructional pages and, oh, and all that bless stuff. bless you. So, You're a so star. That, uh, Thank you. Uh, that's going to be great because you you knew it. I Something inside of you uh, knew that. And uh, it's kind of a, a an interesting circle to come back around. And, and that's what he said pre, you know, before you even start reading. That's the very first page. Um, so that's fantastic. So the second page... Uh, of the lost instructional pages talks about how to read the book. And that's where he says that this is not just a book of stories and things like that. This is a textbook of success and of creation. And you have to read it in a certain way. And so that certain way is that no more than one chapter a day. And some of the chapters are, are kind of small, um, but you have to read the chapter and digest the chapter. And so no more than one chapter a day, uh, which is easy for people to do. The harder part is that he said you cannot read the book alone. 
and that he called it a study group, uh, but but you had to have a collection of people, which could be just one other person. Or I, I did I did book studies typically with eight to twelve people, some as, as many as fifty. But you have to read it, uh, you know, with other people. And so you read it with other people, uh, and and there's two things. Uh, one is when you're reading with the other people, is that you. Um, the ideal, uh, and, and so I only I, I did this a few times, but not every time. The ideal is that you read the chapter aloud in the group with the group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so some book clubs that we got together and we read the chapter aloud, uh, you know, um, together. So you know, one person read, everybody listened, uh, and we kind of did moved around the room with people reading the book. But then, so, so it's reading aloud. But then the second thing is that you discuss that chapter in regards to your bring about statement so everybody says what is this thing they're trying to bring about like in my case it was you know i want my business to be uh worth a million dollars you know i would say that and then we would talk about that so each person you know after in the context of that chapter so how does that chapter relate to what you're trying to do and what do you you know and 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 your bring about statement and and relating that uh you know to to that uh and so that was that's the thing that most people don't do is they're not sharing it with someone else and, you know, tapping into not just the other person's mind that, that and that's powerful, but there's a third mind that's more powerful. That's created whenever two or more people come together. And so he called that the mastermind, but like you have ideas and I have ideas. So if I told you, if I had like 10 ideas for a new book that I'm working on and you had 10 ideas, if we came together, it wouldn't be I from your 10, I'd think of 10 more. So it wouldn't be 10 plus 10 equals 20. It would be probably if the two of us got together, 10 30, times 40, 10. 50, right? Yeah, they multiply, 10 times 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that collective genius of the two minds coming together um, is what really makes it happen. And so, it was interesting that through that book study, then I realized that my five year plan could be dramatically shortened. Uh, and what happened was my reticular activating system, like this thing at the back of the brain that lets stuff into the conscious mind. Uh, you know, I was in a room and I heard someone say something about I need to sell my business. And just like you hear your name uh, across the room, if someone says your name, you can hear it in a crowded room. I heard that. And and I went to to that and it turned out that this person was in a, a situation where they needed to sell their business. And it was through merger that I was able to grow my business very rapidly. Uh, and that, uh, you know, and that that served me, you know, very, very well until, you know, I ended up, you know, selling that that business off. But it was um, and anyway, so that's the the, the 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 second secret is the the genius of the mastermind group and the fact that you read the book with other people. And, and you each help each other harmoniously, you know, to move in the direction of their bring about statement by discussing it and, and giving each other ideas. Collective consciousness. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Personal question for you then. When you first had the book, Think and Grow Rich, which, which was the small paperback book that most people have, you read it. What did you think of it at that time after the first read? Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. It was um, actually, it's kind of strange that, uh, you know, I've read it maybe 70 times now. And every time I read it, somehow my frequency, my vibration, my energy levels, my excitement, my hope in the future, my desires, my abilities, my belief in my abilities, it goes up. 
uh, every time, you know, that I read that. And so, what, so when I first read it, I had this openness of possibility, but it was possibility combined with faith and belief because it was in, in those other stories like, oh, wow, that person, you know, Edwin Barnes, you know, he he stuck to his his goals and he made his thing happen. You know, I could do that too. Uh, and there's just this, this, this sense of possibility, but a faith and a belief that it could happen and it could happen, you know, for me. And then it did happen for me. Now, I would say things take way longer, like, like I'll have a bring about statement and, uh, you know, it, it, it might not happen as quickly as I want, but I always move in that direction. And I try to measure myself, you know, uh, you know, in, in kind of, uh, it, what people call the gain, the gain over my, 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 the person I have to beat is my yesterday self. If I can beat my yesterday self, I'm okay. And I, and I measure that gain rather than the gap to my goal. That's that can be, you know, that that can be hard to measure yourself against that ideal, that goal. But but I'm always moving towards the goal. But I think that was it. The belief, uh, you know, the excitement and the belief that I get every time I, I read that book for for whatever I want to bring about. Okay, so now we know how you felt after you read the paperback. And then you discovered the original with the missing pages. When you read the missing pages, how did you feel then? Yeah, I mean, at first I I, I didn't believe it. Like, I'm like, wait, what? You, you know, I, I, so I went through a little bit of disbelief uh, in, in, uh, in, in that and then a little bit of anger, probably these different five stages, uh, you know, of, of anger of not knowing this beforehand and, and how could this happen and what's going on. But, but getting beyond all that, yeah, then I realized, you know, that, uh, that, that I was doing some of that. Uh, I wasn't doing the, the talking to other people. That was the big thing that I was missing, but I was very specific about what I wanted. So at first I felt, okay, I, I'm reassured. I, I know, I know what I'm doing. Um, and then I just, I felt a deeper connection to Napoleon Hill in reading and in experiencing that version where he was the shouting, like I felt like I got to know him better. Uh, and and after I did that, I, I started watching some of his recordings, and I felt a deeper, deeper kind of connection to him, and and a deeper understanding of his message. And I think a better, I felt more, I felt like I had more tools in my tool chest, uh, you know, to be able to build, the, you know, my goals, right? And so I, I felt more equipped, I think, with that. And and there was this one section which was dramatically changed. And it was a section where Napoleon Hill talks about his mentors. And he talks about um, he talks about this thing called invisible counselors, which is basically where he would close his eyes and he'd go into a room in his mind. And then he would have his, you know, Lincoln and, and Andrew Carnegie and, and Ford and these different people that he, that were his mentors, he would have them sit at a table and he would have a meeting with them right in his mind. Now, in the end, you know, a couple of times he says that got so close to reality for him, he was a little unsure if, if he wasn't crossing over and, and you know, somehow talking to spirits. But he never said he did. He said he was he was on the edge of that. Um, but this is something that everyone can do, right? Uh, but the more you know, the better you know the person, 
the more easily it is to have that conversation. So my dad, he passed away uh, kind of young at 59 years of age, but I know him so well that that was my easiest invisible counselor initially, right? But over time, Napoleon Hill, he became one, uh, you know, and, and people can be, they could still be living or, or, or not, but, but as you, if you read their autobiography, you know, uh, you know, it's easier for you to have that conversation with them. But what was missing was that Napoleon Hill said, I had 50 of those people, not just nine. Uh, and so in the original book, he mentions many of the 50. Uh, and so that gave me kind of a richer pool of mentors that I saw him using. And that helped me kind of expand my little pool of mentors as well. Um, so, so, uh, those were kind of the experiences for me with that, with that, uh, original book. Okay. Now you've said something there that some people might think this guy's wacky. What, what on earth is he talking about having a mentor who doesn't really exist? So I'd like you to explain how you do it. Because I know there are a number of different techniques here of which I use one myself, but what do you do, Blaine? How does it work for you? Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. So my mentors are, are not necessary. They're not like, uh, things that don't exist. They're people that, that have been here, that have existed or maybe currently exist. Uh, and so for me, uh, the more you can know that person, the better it is for you to have this kind of invisible counselor meeting with them, right? And so, so my dad is one. The other one is my, my best mentor uh, for me was Jim Rohn. So I don't know if you heard of Jim Rohn before. Sure. Uh, okay. So, so Jim Rohn, I got to meet him, book him on some events, share the stage with him. He's the probably my go-to uh, invisible counselor mentor. But for me, uh, you know, um, and, and sometimes Napoleon Hill mentions right before you go to bed. Sometimes it's a good good time to do do this. But you, uh, I. I close my eyes uh, and I, I do different venues. Um, uh, sometimes I like to sit in a comfortable chair rather than like a conference table or something. Um, but I'm sitting in a comfortable chair and next to me is the person, uh, you know, that I, I just bring that person up in my mind. And what would they say, right? What would my dad say, you know, to this kind of parenting question? Cause he couldn't help me. Cause I, my, uh, he, he kind of, he passed on the day that my son was born actually. Um, so he, he couldn't help me there, but he could, help me because he could help me through my memories of him and my recollections of him. And so I have this conversation with him or with like a Jim Rohn, if I had a business question and I'm asking them that question in my mind. And then, uh, you know, visually they're giving me that answer. Right. And so the more, you know, the person, then the easier it is to kind of in your own mind, come up with that, that example. So for me, it's just a comfortable chair and, and, and a conversation. And so for people like a Jim Rohn, or Napoleon Hill, uh, there are, you can, you can go to YouTube right now and you can, you know, digest a lot of information. Many of them have written books. Uh, you can read those books and all that, the more that you immerse yourself in the writings, teachings, talkings, recordings of those people, then the easier it is for you to then kind of create this image in your mind and have this conversation with that person. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I, I realize it's in my own mind. I haven't stretched beyond that, you know, to go to some other 
plane of existence, which could exist. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but, but for me, it's, it's a repeating on my mind. And a lot of times the phrases that will come from that person are the things I remember my dad saying, right? It kind of gives me access sometimes to deeper memories of that, of that person. Or sometimes it'll be like, I'll be talking with Jim Rohn and then he'll say, remember the power of ambition. And I'm like, ah, oh, power of ambition. Yes. That audio program, that was my favorite one. And then I'll go back to listen to that program and there'll be some, my answer will be in there. We'll be in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Let's think about real mentors then. So for someone who's striving to achieve something, whatever it might be in their particular field of endeavor, how important do you think a real mentor is as well as the guide you've just spoken about? Yeah. I mean, I I think a real mentor is critical uh, to success uh, because you just go further, you go faster and someone's already been there, right? And so finding someone who's down the road further than you and getting some guidance will uh, you know, allow you to grow faster, move faster. That leverage is invaluable, that leverage of, of the mentor. And so I, I think it's a critical piece. And the other thing is that on your own, I know I think you can only go so far on your own. You might have some big epiphanies and and things, but it's 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 the mentors, uh, you know, they're almost like they're out in the future a little bit, you know, uh, uh, ahead of you, and they can guide you in in such a way that um, that's super valuable. And that that guidance uh, and and that mentorship can come from a, a physical relationship with someone that you meet with and talk to. Uh, you know, you have to make sure it's valuable for them. Uh, uh, Napoleon Hill talks a lot about making sure even if you have a mentor, like what's in it for them that you're giving them back. And maybe it's words of encouragement. Maybe it's gifts. I don't know something. Make sure there's a, that that stays harmonious, that relationship with the mentor. Or it could be a mentor that's no longer here, but you're being mentored through their books, through their programs. Right. I, I, I read Think and Grow Rich, uh, you know, at least once a year. You know, and so I, I'm kind of, you know, getting mentorship from that or Jim Rohn, the power of ambition. You can get that on audible.com. Uh, I, uh, someone's probably uploaded it to YouTube, but, but you could experience that program and the mentorship, you know, uh, anytime you want. So I, I think that you need to pick, pick good mentors, uh, and, and maybe even different mentors, right? You might have a health mentor for your physical body, right? And then you might have a business mentor. You, you know, you could, whatever you're trying to do, you're trying to write a book, a book mentor and, and really, I think it's so valuable to get that insight, right? They've been there. They're, they're going to save you more time and effort than, than you could ever imagine. What about finding a mentor? Have you got any good tips on finding the right mentor? Well, I think that, um, you know, first of all, figure out what, you know, let, let's go back to, you know, what you said is the number one thing of success, right? Get very specific in your mind, what kind of a mentor are you looking for, right? Very specific. And, and uh, you know, again, what you think about, you bring about. And so I think that uh, Napoleon Hill, man, he would be so happy with the internet. Now, not the distraction part of the internet, but the availability of information. He's got a a chapter about specialized knowledge. And the fact that you can go to Google and type in stuff, you know, and so if you're looking for a mentor in whatever space you're in, you know, you you can find that business leader that's down the road from you, right? And you could study that person by studying their works. And now what's interesting is that most of these 
mentors, if it's someone that's alive, they have a Twitter, they have an Instagram, they might have a Facebook, but they have a public facing like Twitter, Instagram that you can go on and follow them. And then you can start to comment. And, and I'll tell you, if you comment on somebody's, uh, you know, Twitter or Instagram, you know, consistently with praise and encouragement, they're going to get to know who you are. Uh, they're going to get to know who you are because not many people will do that. Uh, they'll get to know who you are and you'll be able to create a relationship, you know, with that person. But I think thinking about who you want and getting specific about that, if it's a certain area, if it's a general like mentor in life, you know, then I, I think you could start with some of the great ones, you know, like a Napoleon Hill or a Jim Rohn or an Earl Nightingale. And maybe, maybe you have a few that people could start with Tony Robbins. I think you mentioned that, you know, start with some of those people uh, and let them inspire you. But then in the end, yeah, look for maybe more of a local mentor or business mentor. Okay. I want to make a nice link here because I want to rewind on something that you mentioned earlier that was like a throwaway comment. And I'm thinking, I need to come back to that. But what happens here is that when we decide what we want and we're very clear and we're very specific about what we want, something else happens. Okay, so the, the throwaway remark, <coughs> RAS, Reticular yes. Activation System. So you just said, yeah, my reticular activation system kicked in from the back and then and you walked on. And I'm thinking, I can't let that walk on because lots of people are probably thinking, uh, uh, ruh, ruh, what did he say? What, what, what on earth is a reticular activation system? So, Blaine, back to you, sir. What's that all about? How does it work and how does it impact upon our lives? Okay, so great question. And as a master host that you are, Jeff, you uh, you picked up on that, that this is a key. This is probably why, and, and now the brain science, the last like five to seven years, the brain science, the ability to even know, to even track your thoughts is happening. So people can really, um, you know, science can kind of back this up, what what people have been saying, not, not even Napoleon Hill, but if you go all the way back, you can go back to the Greeks, the Bible, all that, it's in there, right? You know, uh, you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, you know, what, what you think about, you bring about. But the reasoning behind that is is chemical is is brain chemistry and neurons uh you know and and so in the back of the brain this reticular activating system is the part of the brain that decides what goes from kind of the running the the unconscious side of your brain into the conscious side of your brain and so the simplest example of that is you know my son he bought his first car all on his own, uh, and it was an Acura TL maroon color, which I had no idea what that car was. I, I don't think I'd ever seen one before. He told me about it, but he shared an emotional picture of himself with the car. And that emotional picture, uh, you know, brought so much joy, bought it himself. He got it. He was so happy. And that was a very like an emotional moment. And then for about the next two weeks, 
somehow the world mysteriously put these cars everywhere. I one pulls up next to me at the traffic light. I drive by the Acura dealership. Why 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 is that maroon one out in front? That's the exact one that my son bought. And so it was my reticular activating system showing me those. They were always there, but now I was tuned into those things, right? And so this great part of your brain, it decides. Now, you would go batty if it let everything in because it's doing it's monitoring your blood chemistry your heart rate, your breathing, you know, it's doing all kinds of things and it's hearing stuff and it's seeing stuff and it's feeling stuff. But what you decide, what it decides to pass on to the conscious mind, um, that's, that's what is programmable, right? And that is what, what, when, when I got really, you know, uh, dialed into, what I want to do very specifically is have my business be worth a million dollars. You know, um, it's going to feed me the things that would help me do that. Now, if you leave it unprogrammed, oh my goodness, that is the worst because if it's unprogrammed, then it's just going to feed you stuff on random thoughts. And if your random thoughts are, I'm too old. I'm not good enough. It'll feed you that stuff, right? You know, I'm too old. And yeah, and then my knee, you know, I, I can never run the marathon. And then my knee starts hurting or, you know, you know, you know, it's going to feed you those things, right? And, and in the end, the RAS is so powerful that, um, I would suffice to say that your whole life is designed by, uh, you know, the lens that which you look at the future, that determines your full reality. And, and let me give you one example for that is like, so if I said, Jeff, I said, Jeff, I'm really sorry, but today is going to be like one of the worst days of your life. And you go, oh, no, no, no. And then you're kind of like cautious, you know, you're like, ah, no, Blaine gave me the, he's, he cast a spell on me. And then you're almost hit by a car. So the circumstances, you're almost hit by a car. And you go, dang, that Blaine was right. I was almost hit by the car. And now what's going to happen next? And you're going to be timid. Your brain chemistry is going to be really bad. You're going to be uh, afraid and, and restricted. And oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? Now, the same morning, instead, I hand you a different lens. And I say, Jeff, I don't know why, but today's going to be like one of the best days of your life. Same circumstance. You're almost hit by the car. And this time though, you're, you're shouting for joy after the initial panic of the car. You're shouting for joy. My life is spared. I'm here for a reason. I've got so much energy and zest for life. Why am I here? I've got, I'm still here. This is great. This is the best day of my life. Two different people, two different brain chemistries, two different outlooks on life. Same circumstance. It's that lens. And I call it the lens of the future. And every morning I take a little mind shower. I, I take a physical shower, but I like to, I take a mind shower and I set that lens for the day. And that's probably the most important thing that I do is to set that lens. And, and Jim Rohn, he said one day I was, uh, I, I was behind stage and I had had him at this event. And he said, it's not what happens that determines your life future. It's what you do about what happens. And that that changed my life. And so anyway, the RAS, the RAS is there to feed you those things that uh, that it thinks that you want to hear. Uh, and so programming it through spaced repetition is probably the best, knowing specifically what you want um, so that it can start to give you those answers. And there's so many answers and there's so many vibrations out there and so many possibilities for other people that when you get tuned into the right station, I think your life takes off. Yeah. What's fascinating here, I'm so emotional here because I don't think I've met anyone who 
let me say, get this the way I think I get it. And I've explained it to so many people and they go, aha! And it's a revelation because the simplicity of this is you realize your your rectacular activation system will make you aware of what's around you based on what it thinks you want. So if you don't tell it what you want, which is to decide what you think about, then you will be given whatever else is in your mind. And that might be put there by someone else. And it could equally be something that you don't want. So by that very first part that was missing from the book, what do you want? This was screaming at me, Blaine. And I'm thinking, there's something missing here. I read that book 20 times and I'm thinking, yes, it's good, but there's something missing. And in my own studies, it wasn't until later when I started applying it for myself that I looked back at my research and I'm thinking, all of these people knew what they wanted but they knew what they wanted before they started their journey. And that, that there was like, boom, this is not in the book. I've listened to many audio programs. That's all I used to listen to in the car, in those cassettes, you know, that used to get stuck and you wind them in with the biro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there would be probably 60, 70% of the content that you need to be successful. None of them completed it. And, and to hear someone else give this information is, uh, I feel blessed now. So that was the part that's missing. So for anybody to be successful in anything, what you must do is first decide what you want. Because by default then, what you are doing is informing your RAS, your RAS, Recticular Activation System, what you want to be fed with. Hey, I want to see those maroon cars today. Oh, there's one. So if you don't tell it that, it doesn't know what to give you. So if you don't sort your thoughts out about what you want, what will you be fed with? I have no idea. And that's how RAS works, isn't it? It is once you get that and understand this, and then apply Think and Grow Rich, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? It really, really does. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Now, a personal question, if I may. You mentioned that your dad died on the day that your son was born. That must be tough. What's fascinating you the third person I've spoken to where this has happened? Oh, wow. Yeah. How was that experience for you? That must be the happiest day of your life and the worst day. Right. And, and it was. And um, you mentioned I, I did a TEDx talk. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I usually, I'm not like an emotional person. And I cry more now than I, than I, than I used to. 
probably, but I wasn't an emotional person. I don't like to talk about myself or emotions and things like that. But in the TEDx talk, they're like, oh, you got to talk about something emotional. I'm like, ah, you're going to make me talk about my dad's passing. And they go, yeah, we are. Uh, so, so anyway, um, I, I do talk about it in there, but it was, you know, it was the best day of my life from in the, in the day that the day it happened. And luckily for me, my son was born and I was able to call my dad and talk to my dad. And he was so happy with the first grandkid and, and all, all that stuff. It was such a great, great moment. Um, you know, and, uh, and I was in and I, and I even show a picture of, of the hospital room that I was in. And then the next day, uh, so, so later that night, my dad had, he, he passed away of something called sudden death heart attack. And so it's where you don't know you have heart disease. And you have the first heart attack, but it kills you. Uh, and so it was, it was tough, but I got the call the next day, you know, and then, then, you know, my best day went to worst day and, you know, he was my biggest cheerleader and, and to lose him was, was, was painful. Now <clears throat> I was at a point in my life where I knew about the invisible counselor. So I will say that <clears throat> my memory of my dad stayed with me and I still used him, you know, for guidance and, and things like that as I was raising my, my son. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I, I had an, a moment of dawning comprehension that uh, I became a work from home dad, you know, partly to honor my dad. Uh, and so, so it took me a year uh, to, to, to get there. But by the time my son, and I had the kind of the epiphany to do that when my son was one year old and he kind of gave me the cold shoulder when I was on a business trip and I'm going, what, what am I doing here? You know, I, I've got to be here. And, and so, but by the time my son turned two, uh, I, I had become the work from home dad and that was 27 years ago. So, so it, it, it had a big impact for me, but it was, it was a tough day. That was the worst Christmas season that we ever had. I was very angry at, at God, at the world. Uh, and, and I had this choice of better or bitter. And, um, I knew what I think about, I bring about. So I really had to find the positive you know, uh, in there or, or, you know, how could I honor my dad? What would my dad want? And <clears throat> begin to think on that stuff, right? Not think about all the things he's missing, but think about all the gifts he had, um, you know, and so in, in shifting my focus and programming my RAS to remember and find those good things, um, you know, uh, that, that, that helped me to, to pull, to pull through that. And it's interesting that memories, <laughs> science now, is finding that chemically we have memories in our mind and we can relive those memories and literally change the outcome, uh, you know, and the significance in our life uh, just by kind of replaying that movie, but either with a different ending or or with a different impression of the ending, right? So, so like you almost getting hit by the car, you could you can see that as you know I, I'm almost killed or I was saved, and and by changing that, you literally can can kind of rewire your brain, um, you know, and rewire it for to find opportunity to be happier, uh, you know. So I think there's a lot of lot of lessons to be learned. But back on that day, yes, su super exciting day followed by. A crescendo of terrible day. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I do appreciate it. Back to the personal development. Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. There are many, many, many lessons in there. But for you, having read it seven times and lived the life and the journey of personal development, if you could distill personal development into a single sentence or oh, I'll give you two or three sentences 
No, let, let's do a summary. You can take as much time as you like on it. So if you could distill the whole subject of personal development, how is it for you, Blaine? So, so I wrote an article. Um, so I've wrote a lot of articles about Think and Grow Rich, but I did write one article where I distilled the whole book, you know, down to three words. Wow. Uh, so, so, uh, uh, and, and those three words are conceive, believe, achieve. And so in the book, I also give away the secret. It's funny in the book, you know, Napoleon Hill, he says, oh, there's the secret and you have to discover it for yourself. And I'm not going to tell you, <clears throat> you know, so in the end, in my guidebook, excuse me, in my guidebook, the first thing I do is say, here's the secret. Uh, so the secret is whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Now, some, you might have heard that before, but then the next sentence is, as long as it doesn't violate the laws of God, nature, or man. Uh, so, so there's a little bit of a context there, um, because true success won't come to you if you are violating some of those laws, uh, it, it'll catch up to you. But this idea of conceive, right, you know, you know, what do you want most, then have a belief or have the ability to increase your belief, your faith in that, and then achieve, meaning you go out and do it, you go do the work. Uh, and that's really, if I had to distill that book down and, and success, it would be, you know, down to those things. Now, in my own teachings about success and implementation, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I have the three C's, clarity, create a plan, carry it out. Similar thing, clarity, gain clarity. What is it that you really want? Create a plan, not the full plan, but at least an initial plan to get you going and then carry it out. That's, that's the, that's where it, that's where the success is happening. And to me, <clears throat> I define success as kind of the realization, uh, well, it, it's the progress towards your personal goals. If you're making progress towards whatever you want, I think that's success. I think you're success if you're moving towards that. And a lot of times <clears throat> when I teach, very simply, I'll do the, uh, you know, go from point A to point B, right? So you got A, then you got a line with an arrow, and then you have a B. And so you're going from point A to point B. But the most important thing, if you can only have one of those three things, you know, where you are today, the journey, or the destination, <clears throat> if you can only have one, the most important is B. It's your destination. It's knowing what you want brings us all the way back to the beginning of, of our show here today, is knowing what you want, knowing that point B. That's the most important. See, if you only had one, like let's say I just know where I am, but I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'm stuck. I'm in a circle. I, I, there's nothing I can do, right? If I'm on the, if I only have the journey, now I could be happy. Some of my happy people are journey people. I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I've been, but I'm having fun doing it. You, you could be that way. But if you, if you only have B, like, you know where you want to go. You don't know where you are. You don't know how you're going to get there, but you know your point B. You can at least turn towards it, which is an immediate action, and then progress. You can move towards it without knowing where you are, how you're going to get there completely. You can look at it. You can turn towards it and move towards it. So B is the most important thing. But once you know B, yes, then figuring out where am I today, and then how am I going to move across that line? And it's the progress that, you know, done is the engine of more. It's you moving towards that thing. That gives you the energy, that gives you the power, that gives you the, uh, that helps you win the battle of the brain chemicals so you can go after that thing. But I, but I would say conceive, believe, achieve would be, would be the Think and Grow Rich summary. This is absolutely bizarre. Now, have we ever met in this life plane? 
You know, I'm thinking we have in a previous life or we studied under the same person, you know, in another, in a, in a previous lifetime, because I feel a connection to you that I normally don't feel with most people. Yes, same here. This is bizarre. Even I, I normally have a pre-interview chat with someone before I do the podcast and I didn't do it with you. There's a number of reasons why I didn't, but I found your information and none of this information is is in the public domain. And I thought, I need to talk to this guy. Didn't know why, but I'm writing a book. And it was it's partly my autobiography from when I was interviewing the 325 people. <clears throat> so it's a similar similar kind of book to Think and Grow Rich, but more about the practical application of how successful people have become successful. I'm partly about my story and how I came about it. I then, when uh, I was over this period, I thought I want to find a way to condense the whole thing into a single image. And when my daughters leave home, I want to give them this image so in their time of need, they can think, what would my dad do? And I created an image. I'm going to put it on screen here so you can see it now. I have three words at the bottom of this image, and they're in Latin. Do you know what those three words say? I, I can have a guess, but tell me. Go on, have a guess. Well, I mean, if it, if it was conceive, believe, achieve in some manner, that would be, uh, you know, that would be, I, I'd be getting goosebumps. Get your goosebumps because that's exactly the three words. How wow. how bizarre is that? Wow, that's uh, yeah. We 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 have shared a life somewhere. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, what what happened? I I decided to write this book, so I'm programming my RAS. And what happens, things come into your life, right, that you don't understand. And I had an email from the TED people to say, oh, here's this guy doing a TED talk on White Tabor. And I think, what on earth is White Tabor? I don't know what that is. At the same time, I have a message from you saying, hey, Jeff, I love your podcast. Can I be a guest? I think we should talk. So I then watched your TED Talk, which is you become what you think about. I'm thinking, oh, goodness me, this is fascinating. I'll get the guy on the show. And the more we're talking now, the more connected we are, because I started writing this book not knowing about these missing chapters, and I'm thinking, am I alone here? Really, am I alone? How can I really seriously validate this? So it's been fascinating, and I'm sure there's much more to come. Conceive, believe, achieve. So, but I have, it, I have it written in Latin because it's on the coat of arms. It, it looks better in Latin than it does in English. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks, looks good, and that's yeah. just, it's bizarre, and, you know, that... Uh, you know, uh, this article that I wrote, uh, you know, I distilled it down to those those three words, and so did you. So, uh, you know, we, we're getting, 
we're we're probably right about those three words, uh, you know, and it's interesting how it now has kind of come together and kind of like the mastermind, I think that message becomes more powerful. I know it does in my own, like physically, I feel it to be more powerful right now, knowing that you came to that same conclusion. So uh, I'm, sure. uh, I'm blessed by, uh, by today's show uh, immensely. It's given me more conviction to get this book written. So I can't not do it. So now I'm validated in what I'm thinking. So, so thank you for that. So we've yeah. done, we've done Think and Grow Rich. There's lots of stuff there. I want some more information from you, some more valuable stuff. In doing my research, you say you're real good at the habit creator and you can create a habit in 21 seconds where everybody else says, do this for 21 days. I'm like, oh, okay then. So, Blaine, what's this one all about? Yeah, so we are, you know, we're creatures of habit. And, uh, you know, as chief results officer, helping people get results, a lot of it has to do with habits. And you, you kind of become the person, you know, based on your habits, that's the person you become. And so creating new habits. Now, this is different than bad habit elimination. That's totally different. But in this area of creating new habits... Yeah, I created a framework, um, and and it's part of. Uh, so the company I have, have is called Self Fluence. I often say powered by Self Fluence, which is the art and science of influencing yourself, and it's the power you already have to influence yourself. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything new. You don't need any any kind of apps or anything like that. You just need you and the and the three pound tool upstairs here uh, to do all this stuff. And in the in the area of habit creation, I often like to tell people. You're already a habit master, and that's what we're going to leverage, is that you, everything you need is within reach. You're already doing it, and you can master it if you if you choose, if you so decide. Uh, and so I ask people, you know, and, and when I'm doing workshops, I say, how many people brush their teeth in the last 24 hours? Every hand goes up. And I say, how long have you had that habit? You know, decades, you know, all my life. I'm like, okay, so so you're already a habit master. And then I tell a little story to begin to plant the seeds on how you can create new habits in 21 seconds, not 21 days. And I tell the story about my wife. She had, luckily, this is a thing of the past, but she had nearly daily migraine headaches. And the doctor said, look, here's this log and you have to fill this out every day. Like, what did you eat? What could the triggers be? What's the weather like? What's the barometric pressure? And my wife could do it for a couple of days and then she'd forget to do it. She would lose the log. Then she'd have a migraine and I'd ask her about the log. It was it was a terrible time. And, and one night I'm watching her brush her teeth. And my wife is a faithful twice a day dentist recommended two minute brusher. And so she's brushing her teeth. And, and that's where the first idea happened for me. And the first key to the 21 second habit is what we call habit linking, right? And so what we did is I said, look, take the headache log, put it underneath the toothbrush. And every day when you brush your teeth, you fill out the log. And so that's, that's a good four minutes, two minutes in the morning, two minutes at night. And my wife went from two to three days, lose the log, can't do it, to 90 days in a row, not missing a single day. Why? Because she habit linked it to something she was already doing, no willpower required. She was already a master at it. And so then that helped her. And, and now she has a migraine maybe once every couple months, which is fantastic. Um, but any case, that's the first key. The second key <clears throat> is that you need to surf 
an urge to give you the energy and the determination and the power to actually do the habit. So let me give you an example of that. So when my when I when my wife had this uh, habit linking work for her, I said, okay, what habits do you want, Blaine? I said, I want two new habits. I want to do this Bible app every day. And then I want to take a mind shower. Like most people, they wash their physical body. But I knew my mind was getting a lot of head trash from the news, from social media, family, friends. It was just, it was, it was in there every day. And I want to wash my mind out every day. So what I did is I said, okay, Blaine, I know I should do this first thing in the morning. What is the thing you do first thing every morning without fail, no willpower required? And it was my smartphone. Now, sometimes my alarm is going off, but even if it's not, the first thing I do every day is I open the smartphone, right? And I want to know, you know, my son lives in Denmark. Maybe he's texted me. I have text messages in there. I have orders in there. I have, I want to know how my investments are doing and my bank accounts and, and, and news and all this stuff. I have this huge desire to want to check all that stuff when I wake up. And so I wanted to surf that desire. I want to take the energy of that desire and make that help me do those two new habits. So what I did is I moved everything off my home screen and I just put those two apps, this Bible app and an app called Headspace. And so um, every day I have to do those two before I'm allowed to see anything else. So habit linking plus urge surfing. Uh, and so some, you know, I like a 10 minute mind shower, but if I only have two or three minutes, I'll do a quick one, you know, um, but that I set that up 1,716 days ago. And I haven't missed Not a single day because, <laughs> because the app, the app tracks it, which oh, is great. I love right. these apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the app is telling me every day, Blaine, well, good job, day 1,716 days or whatever, you know, so it's telling me. So I love that about it. But that, so, so the key is habit linking, something you're already doing, urge surfing. And then the last part is leverage. So, so if you can, you get leverage on yourself through the carrot, maybe having an, a reward. Hey, if I do this for seven days, I'm going to buy this new book or get this Jim Rohn program. And then sticks a penalty, maybe a spouse or partner says, Hey, if you don't do your new habit, you have to do this thing you don't like to do. Um, and then psychological leverage is once you get typically psychologically about three or four days in a row, you don't want to break the chain and it becomes very powerful to you to kind of keep you going. But the real key is the habit linking and, and, and surfing, uh, you know, surfing the urge. Those are the two. And then, then it's bringing in, in some leverage. Uh, you know, just the other day I had somebody, I always talk about next day planning, never let a day end without planning the next one. And so this one friend of mine, she's like, I can't do it. I don't do it. My day's chaotic because I don't have a plan. And I said, okay, Ann, what do you do every morning? We're going to do some habit linking. What do you do first thing in the morning? No willpower required. She says, I have a cup of coffee. I said, great. Take a pad of paper and a pen, put it by the coffee maker. And I want you to make the coffee and smell the coffee and put it right up to your face and, and get all amped up, you know, get your, your urge to drink that coffee super high and then surf that urge to start your plan for the day. And maybe it's just the top two or three things you have to do, but you got to start the plan before you sip the coffee. And now she's well on her way to uh, daily planning every every single day. She's created that new habit, you know, in 21 seconds or basically instantly by using habit linking and urge surfing. Wonderful. That's a brilliant way to do it, to anchor it to something you're already doing. Yeah. Wonderful. And there's so many things that you do. Uh, more than once a day, you know, something's once a day, drive to work, get dressed, take a shower, you, you know, all these different things you can link to on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. And, um, and, and, and now neurologically, 
It takes about 21 days for the beginning of the the neurons in your brain to uh, welcome that habit. And now brain science just proved recently it takes 63 days for the habit to be able to stand on its own neurologically. Now we know that neurons that fire together wire together, but it takes a full 63 days for that habit to really physically be wired enough to stand on its own. Yeah, myelination, I think they call it, don't they? Yes, yeah. look at you. Yeah. Yes, that's the, <laughs> the, the, the myelation insulates the neurons. Yeah, and that's so, it. So they, they can move more faster, you know, uh, and, and communicate more faster and, and remember each other. Yeah, that's like the the fatty uh, grease that links the uh, brain cells together from uh, the pathway. Uh, and that phrase, use it or lose it, is actually true because yeah. this, this grease, this myelin actually deteriorates and then goes. So when we've done a habit and no longer do it, the, the neurons don't know how to connect anymore. So you're using a, a well-used highway, like brushing your teeth, plugging your phone, and then saying, hey, here's a shortcut. Let's use this highway. That's exactly what you're doing. Very clever. We're, put it, we're putting another lane in the already existing highway. Yeah, so that's it. I love it. Right away. Brilliant. Okay. Now, one thing I found with successful people, Blaine, is that they're not afraid to say no. And I see this as a characteristic and a, and a trait with successful people that some other people who are still on the journey of discovering themselves or, or finding what they want to achieve, they get distracted by other people's wants, desires, needs, urgency, maybe. So how do you say no to other people? Yeah, a super important uh, point here. And, and that you have to say no for the bigger yes. You know, and so for me, the first part of no is knowing K-N-O-W. Now, no is inside of the word knowing, K-N-O-W. But once you know, then it's easier to say no. And what I mean by that is that I know what my goal is, my big goal, my bring about statement, and that that's the most important thing for me. And by knowing that, my bigger thing, it's easier for me to say no to the smaller things or to other people. Uh, and, and, and I have some frameworks about time management. And in one of those frameworks, uh, I'm on podcasts and I often say, do you, you know, are you a fan of James Bond? And so you're, you're over there in England. So you, you might be a fan. And I say, do you know James Bond's very first movie came out in 1963? Do you, Jeff, do you happen to know what that movie is? Dr. No. Dr. No. Now, now sometimes the guests say, no, I don't. And I say, well, you just said it, uh, but it's Dr. No. <laughs> yeah. and, and that is what happens to people when they, um, well, I, I end up talking about the day before vacation, which is something I studied in great detail. But on the day before vacation, you become Dr. No. Blaine, can you do this? No, 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 no. It's so easy for you because you have this shortened time frame. You know where you're going. You know what you do. You're not going to be around. You know, you got to do it. And so it's that same. I bring that into my daily life. But the first thing for me is to know what I really want and to know that, you know, I have to say no, my default answer is no. Now, I also have some tricks, right? Some hacks, you know, and so those hacks are things to create a gap between me saying yes, uh, you know, and so, so those gaps are, I need to check my schedule. 
uh, you know, and then if it's on the personal side, I, I say, well, I, I need to check with Beth, my wife. So I, I, I put some of these things to make it easy, you know, for me. But but I, I would say the biggest thing is knowing uh, what I, you know, is planning my day. So it's already got stuff to do. Uh, and, and it's easier to say no, but knowing where I'm going to say, you know what, right now I'm working on this, you know, and, and I create something called a decision filter. So I create a, a phrase or filter that I'm running my decisions through. And, and when I do that, that also kind of helps me to say no to the, to the wrong stuff. And I, I have a little saying, why build the road South when you're heading North, you know? And, and so most people are building the road <laughs> South and, and it's like folks and, and my wife, she's so good now. She'll just, I'll say, honey, I'm thinking about you. Road south and like well well taken well said not going to do that uh, <laughs> I like you that. know so, I think I might uh, steal that one <laughs> I like that yeah, one it's, it's a great one why build road south when you're heading north um, and and most people do that and you're right that is the thing that steals their progress the most is is that is is the saying yes to to other people's stuff and and you know you, look you can be nice about it um or set up your own de- decision filters and say will this thing bring me closer to x you know whatever you're working on mm-hmm. and if it will great do it but if not then then let no be uh let no be your, your first response it always comes back to what do you want you have to get that first <laughs> how on earth can a dumb editor take that out of the original work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you, and it was all caps. You know, what do you want most? All caps, first page, even before anything, you know, wow. before any, any acknowledgements or anything. Was he still alive, do you know, when that, when that was done? When it was taken out and the paperback was released? Was Napoleon uh, Hill yeah, still alive? Yeah, he, he, he uh, you know, he, it came out in the 30s. He lived till 70. So he lived till 1970. Uh, and so, yeah, he was around. And he was around for when they updated in the 60s. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, it was, it was taken out of there. And I think what happened was he realized, you know, he like in his core, he knew that was part of the message. Um, but I don't know why he didn't mandate, or maybe he didn't realize that it was, you know, that those instructional pages were kind of taken out of, of, of future printings. Right. So, so now look, I, I like this book. I'm a fan of this book. I have, you know, maybe six or seven copies of this, this book I bought, you know, later copies, you know, ones that were in the five, after the first 5,000 were printed, like the 10,000 run or the 40,000 run. And around the 40,000 run, it disappeared. The, the, that, that, that first page, even in the same book, that first page, what do you want most? It was taken out. I, I, I still today don't know why. So I have a book that looks just like this and it doesn't have that page in there. What? So it's a, it's a weird thing. And it was oh, probably man. there. So that Jeff and Blaine could come back in, <laughs> rediscover it, and kind of relaunch it. Yeah. Well, but that just blows me away. Just blows me away. So here's a quick one for you then. Blaine, what do you do to get inspired? Yeah, I would say that for me, I, uh, I turn mostly to mentors and mostly probably to Jim Rohn, Napoleon Hill, uh, people like that. And I'll turn to something, the book, reading, think and grow rich or listening to it. Uh, I'll turn to Jim Rohn. Most of the time it's audio programs. And, and I actually, I've, uh, I've distilled, there's this one like five minute segment, 
you know, from Jim Rohn that just, I, I don't know, it can just turn me around no matter where I'm at. It can turn me around. So that I have like in my smartphone where I just hit a button and it, and it plays, uh, you know, so, so I have those go-to things. Other things I do, I modulate myself through music too, for me. Um, you know, so like if I'm, if I'm feeling low, I can put on certain eighties music, rock music and things that can bring me up. Or if I'm hyper and too crazy at the moment, I have music that can kind of calm me down. So I, I use sound and music to kind of, uh, you know, modulate myself as well. I, I think uh, for me, mind dumping is another thing. Like if I spend some quality time alone uh, without the world, uh, you know, and, and like right now, this is one of my favorite times is, is to figure out what's next year going to hold. How can I take everything I've learned in all my years on the planet and invest it in next year to make it the best year ever? Um, but, but that, those, those kinds of things of redoing my goals is, is motivating to me as well. Um, but I would say turning to mentors and, and, and a lot of times, you know, I talked about taking the head trash out and I realized that the solution to pollution is dilution. <laughs> and 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 you know, so maybe people remember yeah. the beaker of, of the dark fluid, and the, you pour in the clear water, and after a while it gets clear, 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 and it, it can get clear again. And and everybody has a different ratio. I I used to be. I used to be like a 10 to one. Like I used to way back when, like if I had a bad hour, I needed 10 hours of Jim Rohn to, to take away my one hour pity party, negative victim thinking right now, I might be down to one to one, you know, uh, you know, so I'm my, I'm a little more, I, I've, I've, uh, kind of self-actualized a little bit more and I don't fall into that space often, but I still do. I still do. Uh, the voice of doubt is still, is still in my mind. Now it's in the corner and it's in shackles, but every time you know, it can make a little noise. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, but anyway, so for me, yeah, it, it's just pouring in the positive stuff, um, you know, and, and typically it's, it's audio programs. Okay. Now this is a question that I ask every guest. It's quite a deep question. And I'm, will it be deep for you? I don't know. You might answer it very quickly or you might need some time to think about it. But Blaine Oilkes, are you ready for this question? Uh, I, I'm ready for it. I'm hoping it's it's not too deep. Okay. What is the most important thing you've ever learned? The most important thing I ever learned, I would say that it would be the power of your mind and that that the the power that your mind has um and and a lot of it is untapped but but the power of of the mind that's probably the most important thing and you talked about your daughters and <clears throat> the coat of arms and and teaching them and and that was one of the things that that I really try to teach my kids before they left the nest they're out of the nest now uh was the power of their mind i i think that's that's the most important thing is to know how powerful it is and then to start to use that power of the mind. And we talked earlier, you know, about the lens of the future and, and the RAS and all that stuff. And, and that's you, in the end, you really shape your reality, um, you know, by your thoughts. And, and so it's, it, it, it would be the power of the mind. That was the most important thing I ever learned. Okay. Well, I think I found a friend for life in you. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely coming back on the show in the future. That's for sure. But if someone wants to reach out to you right now, Blaine, how do they do that? How do we get hold of you? 
Yeah, the easiest just um, is to go to blainetedx.com. So B-L-A-I-N-E-T-E-D-X.com. There you're going to see an opt-in for my TEDx talk that we talked about. So you get a copy of that. You'll, you'll get to watch it. You'll get a transcript. But then we'll be connected. And so you'll you'll learn a little bit about me. You'll get my articles. You'll hear about uh, uh, my master classes, my super results days, and things like that. But if I can serve you in any way, I, I'd be happy to do it. Okay. And what does the future hold for you right now? Uh, yeah, right now I um, I am enjoying uh, being America's only chief results officer. So <laughs> I am helping. I am doing what I believe I was designed to do, yeah. and that's help people take control of their lives by taking control of yourself. So just doing doing more more of that. Okay, well, I'm afraid, I'm very sad to say we've run out of time for today. That is it for today. Thank you so much, Blaine Olkers. You have been truly, truly amazing. I feel blessed to have you in my life. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, I uh, I feel the same about you. I feel like I met a long lost brother from another mother. Uh, and, and I'll leave the folks with this. The bad news, the bad news is time flies. The good news, you're the pilot. So pilot well, my friends, pilot well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You have been amazing. And thank you, the listener, for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope you've enjoyed the show and it's helped to ignite your passion to be a catalyst for action and giving you the fuel that you need to realize your dreams. Maybe that first step was always missing from your success story too. Let's hope we've uh, uncovered that critical part for you. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit the follow button, leave a review, and most importantly, here's something you can do. Please share the show with just one person. If you want to do more, that's cool. But please, just one person, because... This show particularly could help so many people in so many ways and we will be getting together again and expanding on this even more. But sharing it makes a huge difference because without your help, we can't succeed. So please go ahead, hit the follow button, like button, share, leave a review and... Well, I'm always looking for great success stories. So if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like to nominate a guest, please contact me on our website at jeff-smith.com. You know, I really would love to hear from you. And if we can expand on some of the stuff today, that would be awesome. That's it from me. Thank you again from Blaine Olkers. And thank you for listening and have a great day. 